¿Qué onda, primos y primas? And welcome back to my primos podcast. My name is Freddie, and with me tonight, I have a special guest back to the show, Kevin Garcia. Say what's up, Kevin. Hey, primo. It's, a, it's actually great to be back. I'm so excited. Last time I talked to you, I think we were still like either doing or about to do our Kickstarter, and that was mostly done. Most people have their books, still getting them out there, but like. <laughs> It's a whole other world. Last year was a whole other world, and now it's still a whole other world from that. It's it's crazy, man. It's 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 part two. You know that lo- it's part two because everybody man, doesn't know what to do right nothing. Now. Nobody knows what's gonna happen. Is the sequel better than the than the first? Because here we are. Oh, yeah. uh, but guys, you know uh, Kevin again. He's a friend of the show. He's been on a couple of things with a couple of panels with us. Remember, we did a uh, uh, Texas Latino Comic Con last year. Jumped on the after party. I still love that. that. I, I, I can't wait to do that again next time. I'm excited, man. Hector hasn't uh, dropped any bombs yet, yeah. so we're kind of holding our breath, but I'm hoping. I, I don't know where Hector's at, but I know a lot of people are just like circling pattern. Like, do we go back? Do we do we do it person? Do we do it digital? I've already seen some festivals here in Austin have already announced that they're going to be digital, at least for the next two months. And then, and and the Texas Latino Comic Con is usually in like September or whatever. And yeah. then, um, and then. I just did Comic Palooza in Houston a couple weeks ago, and I'll be doing Hill Country Comic Con in New Braunfels this weekend. But it's still like, even as we were planning it, it's like, well, how do we, how are we safe? What do we need to do? What can, what concerns we have to have? So it's just, I, I'm excited, but also cautious, you know. So be, let me ask you a question. So we, we both live in Texas. You're in Austin. I'm here in Fort Worth, and we are living a nightmare, <laughs> to say the, to say the least. So yeah, well, I'm also a teacher, right? So so my school district, for example, uh, we're told by the Texas Education Agency (TEA) that they are not allowed to uh, do certain things, and then we're told by the governor that we're not allowed to do certain things. So for example, we as teachers, and and now you teachers of the district, can't ask the students if they're vaccinated, and we can't require it, even though we can require a ton of other vaccinations. That's one that we can't require, um, and then we also cannot require, as of right now, anyway, masks on campus. Which is funny because wow. business, but schools can't. Uh, the school district Austin actually found a l- weird little loophole where they can require it on the school bus. I guess mm-hmm. the thinking is, is that if the kid wore it in the bus, he's going to keep wearing it. I don't know. Just, uh, I it's do know. Hard, my, my 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 administrators and my students are all very very like conscientious about it. So they they're also like trying to keep up with it. My son's going to junior high. This is his sixth grade. He's starting junior high. Mm-hmm. All what two years now? He finished up fourth grade online and we all know that spring break that turned into forever oh yeah oh yeah that was the, <laughs> the, the, the joke for a lot of the seniors that graduated that year that, that is they were the senior skip day champions of all time they win they left they on spring break and never came back in the room and it's like you know what yeah they win exactly uh, you, you said your boy's going to to junior high right yeah man so, it's uh well the school just pronounced elementaries they're having some teachers be able to, not teachers, some parents be able to ask, can my kids stay home and do distance? But they can do that with elementaries because you're in the same class all day long. But you got junior high and middle school or in high school, it's not the same. So you can't do that. But there's another problem. The TEA I mentioned earlier, Texas Education Agency said they won't fund uh, schools for students that aren't physically in the classroom. I heard that. Which during COVID, they were like, okay, as long as they're present. Now it's not the case. So even the district's like, we want to give you the option of staying home, but we can only do so many and then be able to pay for it. I don't know. It's, I think that (laughs) honestly, just putting it out there, like the governor is mishandling a lot of things in Texas right now, not just this 
pressing issue, but there's tons of other things going on alone that yeah. the border just the way to back in with the wall. Like we're busy with other stuff going on right now. It's like how much more shit can I throw at you to despistar? Like, okay, on. Hey, don't don't worry about COVID. Worry about this. Hey, everybody can carry a gun. And then you know, like <laughs> you don't even need a license. Don't hey. need a license. It's um, funny. On the radio, I'll hear people because I'm still an old guy listening to the radio. And I listen to PR every day. For yeah. So on the radio, you hear these commercials of like people are out there with guns. You need to be responsible. Come see us for your training and, and, and certification. But they're begging you for their business now because now I don't need a license. I can just go buy a gun. And so now they're begging for these guys. I usually were like, hey, get a concealed handgun license. Now you don't need it. Now it's like, hey, please give us some business. This whole gun thing is a trip. This whole COVID thing is crazy. And, and here we are talking about comic books. Yeah, <laughs> which honestly is always a big relief. It's just a matter of like, well, one of the jokes I told people going into Kickstarter, like I don't know how many times I said it out loud. I think I only said it on an actual recording like maybe once or twice. But I said it behind the scenes with people before is that I had this weird, irrational fear for a long time. And like everybody's got those irrational fears. Like I'm afraid of spider clowns or something, right? Like it's a silly thing. Why'd you be afraid of that? Because yeah. there's a spider clown behind you, by the way, as I say that. <gasps> anyway, um, no, so um, my irrational fear was this. I spent 20 years writing other people's stories, either as a reporter getting stories from people and then writing it down, which is still me controlling the narrative a little bit, but it's still their story, right? And, or as uh, working for Marvel for 10 years where I was doing research for them. And it was, it, I was never, doing an original character is always, I'm going to take what they're doing and summarize it, make it make sense. And I could fill in the gaps. I could give somebody a, a real name that didn't have a real name in the comics. I could, you know, as long as it was approved by the editors, yeah. but, but it was still not my stories. And so my irrational fear was if I ever try to do my own original story, there's going to be an apocalypse or something. And it's going to be like obsolete. Like no one's going to care about the story anymore. And literally when we were getting together to record and we were about to do our announcement, was the middle of March, 2020. Uh -oh. It was gonna be announced the week of South By, and South By being canceled was the, the the bellwether for everybody else. That when South By got canceled, everybody's like, it's real now. Yeah. Um, and and so that was literally the weekend. And so I so we didn't announce that we were going to announce that day. And I know other people did, like uh, Five Meets, those guys did their Kickstarter that same month. And it, it, yeah. went, it was great, I love their, shit, love their stuff. But like, um, but that kind of kicked into that little irrational fear of like, you know, there's going to be an apocalypse, and why won't I be able to write anything? <laughs> and there was an apocalypse. There was. Yeah. Uh, so we ended up doing it later. We ended up doing it not till closer to actually. Uh, I decided to do it with Hispanic Heritage Month in 2020. So we, we announced it for then, and and uh, I called it pre-Hispanic Heritage Month since it was about you know Tenochtitlan <laughs> and everything, or the founding of Tenochtitlan. But and, you did it. You you yeah, launched a Kickstarter. You. You got it funded. I was I was a supporter. I got my book in the next room, and yeah. I love the story. Now I've got a few people that ha don't have their addresses from yet. A few people where the addresses bounced. I got the things back, so I got to figure out how to get huh. to them. And at least two people who told me there were some other issues. I'm going to figure out how I can help them out. So I'm 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 slow responding to people, but I will get back to them all. So I'm trying to work on it. So your book was Teotl. Yeah, Teotl. 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 Yeah. Teotl. Well, it's it's um. There's a lot of like, you call them portmanteaus in English where you're combining things together. Uh, in and in, in the, in the, and the idea is is like it's a teoro, which is just God, and atl, which is water, and it's basically saying like sacred water, you know. And, yeah. and, and the reason I pulled it out is that there was a saying that it came from 
this idea of of the blood of war is like sacred water to the gods mm -hmm. and it's like um but also because literally they are crossing a sacred body of water in, in lake Texcoco. uh so there's also that that concept of, of water throughout which is funny because like water barely is not even part of the story in the first issue but you know um, but but anyway, but yeah, so that's that's uh, that's 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 where that came from. That's so it's got this word that is hard for English speakers to pronounce, <laughs> which is a thing. But you know, hey, I, listen, I'm a fan. I dug it. I really dug the pitch. I read the issue. I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, compliments to to you and of course your partner for for getting you mind well for doing the art. Love the believe it. Like I'm so used to a lot of books having this huge splash of bright oversaturated color colors were his idea now emmanuel valtiera uh he he's known for doing these like traditional codex style art mm -hmm. and he wanted to kind of do a mixture of that and like traditional comic book art but then as he was we originally we talked about doing it in black and white we wanted to do kind of like a heavy shadows and city kind of thing but as we're doing it he's like well what if i give it some color and then he he i don't know where he got the idea for it but he wanted to give it this like really muted washed out color which does give it a distinct look that, that, that's you know it's that, like i'm um, reading a hieroglyph yeah as i'm reading the book it's a very very great style that lends itself to the story so i really appreciate that and how it all came together with the story which definitely something i want to hopefully down the line you know see some so, some you know something else I, I need to be really blunt and that is believe it or not 2020 was a very stressful year <laughs> I, I, sure. know, I know for most, people, hell you say. for most people, it was a perfectly fine, enjoyable time. I was stressed up the wazoo, man. I um, I had a lot of different factors that were coming in. Um, as far as COVID goes, I'm not I'm not in a lot of the categories that are like immunodeficient, that kind of thing. But I have severely scarred up lungs on the inside from childhood asthma to the point that like right now I've been coughing. Like I don't know if I've coughed during your broadcast. <clears throat> but I've been coughing because a couple weeks ago I was at my dad's place and there was some mold and it set off my sinuses. And the thing is, once I, even though I only had a runny nose for one day, I've been coughing for the past three weeks uh, because wow. of my bronchitis. Yeah. And so basically, I already have lungs that was what you would have if you've had a COVID. So wow. I was like, I would be the double hit. And so I definitely stayed inside the whole time. And then, you know, we had other, my friends were very supportive of me, they were helping me out. Um, got got the vaccine as soon as I could, all that kind of stuff. But it was stressful. Yeah. The thing is, the book itself was stressful. So I'm going to take some time off before I get back to that, do some other things. But the way I look at the book is I look at it kind of like a proof of concept. Like this mm. is the story that, that, I, that I want it to be. And then I will go back and revisit that story at some point. And I, and I don't want it to be too far away, but like I want to do some other things first to kind of clean, cleanse the palate, you know, from that very, very stressful year of putting that together and then do something new. You learn though, you learn from it, right? Like anything else. It's a learning experience. I've never done a Kickstarter. You always hear people, hey, go Indiegogo, go Kickstarter. Yeah. It'll happen. It's like, well, shit, man, easier even said than done. Even that was a debate. I talked to my friends who've done both Indiegogo and Kickstarter. And I'm like, what, which one do I do? What is the approach? Um, you know, uh, you know, we we're talking before we started recording about like the idea of making a, a Kickstarter. Yeah. And uh, I was actually having a conversation with another comic book creator recently. And uh, I was talking about how it's stressful for me to try to fulfill the, the, the uh, rewards. Like it's gonna, like it's gonna cost me more than we made to do the rewards. It, it, yeah. it, it, I, haven't, I haven't fully added up yet, but it is definitely gonna do that. Um, but that's not even the stress part. Stress is like making sure everybody's happy, you know? And I'm telling him this as like, I have to send out like almost 300 or over 300 uh, comics. And he's like, I wish my Kickstarters were that successful. And, and here's the thing, and this is gonna sound 
maybe pandering or something like that. But his books are traditional superheroes. And there's an audience for that. My book was stated as being Latino heritage done by a couple of first time Latino creators about the founding of Mexico City. <laughs> so it's like, there's a different audience for that. So yeah. we, we asked for 3000 and we got like almost, I think around 8,000, I don't remember the number right now. Um, <clears throat> but so, so it's a different audience than what he's going for. And, and it's not that his stuff is less important. It's that people are like, oh, I wanna hear that. Similarly, I ran into a guy at Comic Palooza who I'd heard about, who he did a Kickstarter around the same time I was doing mine. He also asked for about $3,000. He got $41,000. Oh my God. Again, different audience. Yeah. His book is Patriotica. And if you just Google that, you're going to see a lot of cleavage. All right. So, okay. So I'm not, you know, not faulting, you know, whatever. No? He, he knows his audience. He knows what they want to read and they wanted to read it. <laughs> so, you know, $41,000. So it's like, as much as this other guy was telling, you're looking it up right now, aren't you? <laughs> I am definitely looking this up, man. I actually asked him at the Comic-Con. I told him, look, I, I remember seeing your thing and I saw how successful it was. I'd like to read your book, but I, I didn't, you know, I didn't back him at the time because I was busy with stuff. And I go, could I buy a copy? And he goes, well, I have the trade here for $35. And I was like, well, can I just get like a single issue so I can see what it's like? And yeah. he goes, well, my single issues are all exclusive covers. So they're 40 bucks each. And I was like, I'll wait. But but still, like again, he knows his audience. He knows the audience will buy. I that. saw this. I saw this character cosplayed on your Instagram. Yes, I, I that was that's the creator. I took a picture <laughs> yeah. of the creator and his uh, model. He actually hired her to be a cosplaying as his character. So Which, by the way, Primos Monomythic yes. underscore com Monomythic yes. Monomythic dot com Monomythic. Look that up. That's uh, Kevin Garcia. Um, but yeah, the, that, that yeah. If you look up in in the in the indicia of the of the comic that I made the Teotl, it says in there, you know, publisher is uh, Monomythic Media LLC. I actually went ahead and made it an LLC to do this, and I figured the products are good. I know, I don't know that that even that also cost me money. That's not part of the the Kickstarter thing. That was, was man, tell me about it. After uh, looking and doing an LLC for this, doing like my primos media and doing something in audio, visual, and print, and kind of mixing it up, Texas does not make it easy. Oh, and I, I was lucky enough to find some lawyers that were willing to walk me through it very slowly and show me what like some some cheap options are. And I was like, all right, so it still costs money, but like it, it made sense. But think about uh, it. Imagine, imagine what if like you went through your pitch, you threw it out there, the Latino community embraced it so much that you ended up with a forty k bank mm -hmm. to get this taken care of. You yeah. know, obviously that's what we all want. We want the yeah. payday and go cool. I can just do what I love. Right. But Kickstarter, getting all this stuff out there, keeping people informed, uh, being held accountable. All these things were stressors. But like you said, you did it. And this is a proof of concept. Hey, that I can do it. So when you go to the next one, hey, I have successful projects. Let's move forward. And maybe this one will be the big one. Right. Isn't that kind of the, the goal? Yeah, that is the goal. Well, well it's like this. Uh, well, I'll talk about other projects in a minute, but like when I come back to this, it's going to come back not as single issues. If I come back to it, when I come back to it, it's going to be as a um, as a full trade, like as a full story. Yeah. And it's going to be this. This is what we want to do. You know, like that. This is the whole thing. Because you um, left me hanging. You know, you left me hanging. Yeah, I know. I did because it's <laughs> funny. Cause I'm talking about like I want to give the, the the whole my stated goal was like this is the story leading up to the founding of Tenochtitlan, and yet the first issue is just introducing the characters. So you left me hanging. You let me hanging in the story, so I definitely want more. I, I'm definitely going to do more. I'm definitely going to go back to it. I definitely want to revisit it as a full, full trade later on. But 
as I'm planning what my next moves are, I'm looking at other Kickstarters that I really, really want to support. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and and like there's this one right now, Jalisco by Caden Phoenix. That yeah. is, that's one that's like, it's getting a lot of hype. It's really good. And it's this close to being funded right now. It's this close to being funded, but it ends, you know, this weekend. It so does. It's, it's, as of, as of recording this episode, it's $2,503. Their goal is 3000 Primos, we can make that happen. You guys got to visit. Just look up Jalisco, Latina Superhero Kickstarter. I'll put the link in our show notes as well. Give Caden Phoenix uh, some love. I've been loving her stuff, man. I bought the first Jalisco, her book. I own it. I love the folklorico dancer with knives and a badass. And she's making the Latina verse. You know, I'm excited for all her, her characters too. So let's go she support her. Where like when you when you hear the concept she's talking about, you're like, why hasn't this been done yet? And the fact that it's being done with this look that, you know, is so dynamic and catch eye catching is like, yes. Yeah. I want to see more of this. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, let's go check it out. Let's give our support primos. Definitely. Great book, great concept. Definitely give some support. But Kevin you're working on stuff down the line. Like, well, you know, well, that's down there. Well, so, so, so here's what I'm thinking. Like, um, Emmanuel, he's he's want to work on a um, like a board game like project. He's been talking about it for a long time. He wants to do this like board game project involving Aztec mythology, which I think sounds really cool. It's also something that people are going to want to want to hear about. I am like looking at doing something different, but I'm not sure what. I have two different projects I want to do. One that I'm really passionate about, and is and I already have the script done. And it's ready to go. But I don't think it, it will be as financially successful because it doesn't have the, the draw that Teoado does. And the other one that I think would be financially successful, but I don't think the story is where it needs to be to just start jumping into it yet. So I'm still kind of like like workshopping that. But you have uh, the the right now the freedom of of quarantined or semi quarantined. Unfortunately, I do have that freedom. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going back. <coughs> There's my cough. There you go. School soon, but um, who knows? With it, right now, as we speak, the school board in my city is deciding what we're going to do. Uh, and they're probably going to go all night figuring that out. I uh, don't know where we're going to go in general. It sucks, man. It's like when with the governor, COVID, Texas in general. But you talked about cons, right? You recently did a con about well, a couple weeks ago. You do one this weekend. Yep. I'll be at Hill Country Comic Con in New Braunfels. And it's weird. I went to uh, Comic Palooza in Houston uh, a few weeks ago. Was the first one that I've done since. And, and you have to understand when when COVID hit, when uh, starting with South by South, including South by, I had eight different events that I was going to be speaking at, that were just in the next like five months. And I, that's how often I'm going to events to speak at. And not always about comics. I, I talk about different things sometimes. But then a lot of times I'm just hosting panels. But that all went away. And it was just, it was, I didn't realize how much it was part of my life until it was gone. Did and you, then, so I'm with you, right? Like, I was going to ask, because when, when that's taken away from you, the ability to just be in the, I don't know, I, I have a feel for this, what I'm doing, right? I enjoy conversation, talking to people. We took it away. Shit, like, what do yeah. I do now? I feel like, like oh, crazy. I wouldn't, I call myself like a person who needs people all the time, but like, I like having that interaction with an audience, people who care about a topic and they, they throw in questions and they act or, or, or like if I'm got somebody else on stage with me and I'm asking them questions, it's, it's just fun. I ended up having a little bit of like, um, my own stuff. Like I put on my, on youtube.com slash monomythic. I did, um, the just one-on-one -on -one panels where I'd interview a couple creators yeah. about a topic, you know? Um, and, uh, 
uh, I like, and then I started doing a lot of the online cons. With, you know, like I did Nerdtino, which is the Philadelphia Comic Con, and then I did uh, the, the, the Texas Latino Comic Con as well, and a few others that were a lot of fun. And it's just, um, it's not the same. You know, I still like it. I still love it. It was a lot of fun, but like, it's just not the same as having that in person. You know and, what it is? Because once you dissolve that screen in front of you and you see the people literally in the flesh there, they're like, hey, they're real. Because there is a little bit of a, of a disconnect, right? We're, we're having a conversation. Video can only go so far. But there is a little bit of a, we don't necessarily have to hug and touch, but it's just the fact that yeah. we're living, breathing in the same room, enjoying the same things. And it's, it's alive. It has a life. A convention has a life of its own, right? It does. It really does. Um, but again, it's like we're, we're doing them, but we're also doing them as careful as possible. And that's always questions of like, well, what is careful? What do we need to do? And all that kind of stuff. And yeah. I mean, I wish that that's the thing is hopeful thinking, man, but wish, wishful thinking. But it's scary to be the guy that made that decision, like the schools and all that and the cons. You're like, well, shit, man, like I really want people to enjoy some free time. I really want the artists to come out and make some money. Let's be practical about it. As much as somebody will care about all those things, it it can break people financially when you've been planning something and it goes away. I know a lot of people that were full year-round employees of South by that lost their jobs. Um, and I think I want to say South by even got purchased by somebody or uh, it was one of the I vaguely big, remember that. Yeah, one of, one of the big festivals here in Austin got purchased by somebody outside, and it's like it's a necessity. It's like they had to do something like that because. They just couldn't couldn't do anything else, and um, yeah, it, 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 it's like there's no right answer. You know, there's no right answer to that because you're gonna have two sides of that conversation. Everyone knows you got to be careful. Everyone knows that. Like for example, you yourself, right? You said it. You are the prime candidate to get sick. So like, that, yeah, my my issue is not not that I'm likely to get sick, but if I get sick, it's gonna be fatal. Yeah. Simple so it's. That. Like, like I've been coughing this past week. I've already been tested multiple times to make sure it's not COVID. Yeah. And each time I fail the test and I keep thinking, man, if only, if only <laughs> I could be passing a test someday. But so far I've been failing. God. The uh, negative you want. I don't but here's the thing. The reason I got sick is because I went down to go visit my dad's house. And I don't know if it was allergies or something in his house, but I got sick in there. And the reason I went there is because I had a nephew born right before the lockdown hit. And I, I'm finally a deal, you know? There you and go not go and see this kid. I could not see my nephew for a year and a half. So he's, as I get there, he's already walking perfectly, running around, starting to have one word, one word comments and, and knowing what things are. And it's like, wow, I went from not having this nephew to he's already running around. And that's all because of COVID. So it's, it's worth it to go see him that I'm still coughing two weeks later because of my bronchitis. But, you know, <laughs> it's the thing, though, man, I've been, um, playing uh video games a lot recently and reading a lot of books you know kind of keep myself busy because we have to try to stay away from groups and people etc whatnot right what have you been doing during your time what's your what's your go-to what have you been watching reading what have you been kind of escaping into i've watched more anime in 2020 than <laughs> I did my entire life up to that point <laughs> why specifically anime i love anime don't get me wrong because i have a lot of geek friends right um, obviously my thing is usually comic books, usually American and European style comics. Um, and I have read manga. There's, there's one manga that I think everybody in the world should read, uh, which is Yotsuba, the little green haired girl. It's, it's just beautiful. They're hilarious and they're all ages and they're adorable. Everybody needs to read it. But 
I don't generally read manga. I don't generally watch anime. And all my, I have a lot of several friends that were into it. So I'm like, fine, I'm going to give it a shot. And I went down that rabbit hole. <laughs> um, now I have a subscription to Funimation, among other things. One <laughs> so, of us. One of us. Right, right. <laughs> so I watched a lot of anime. Um, obviously, uh, super excited with Marvel. It, it, it's crazy how we, people were kind of joking in 2019 about, well, they weren't even joking. They were saying, will there be superhero fatigue? Will people have too many superheroes? And then 2020 happens. And they're like, where's our Marvel movies? We, 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 we miss them. Marvel is so lucky they got their end game out prior to because imagine if people had to wait past covid to get that thing back you're like oh my god no man it's crazy but yeah. you're right like there is a comfort food when you're like yeah. oh shit like marvel shows have been that so i've been watching the disney plus shows all of them you know oh man loki was right now i'm like i love loki me and my family love it. i love i'm a geek for time travel love time travel stuff Here's my comic book geek thing about Loki. Um, in the early days of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, here we they go. Would, they would throw a ton of Easter eggs in the background, you know, and they'd be Easter eggs that, like me as a fan, would get. I'm like, ah, see, that's a reference to this, and, this and people would ask me. I used to have a blog called Secrets of Shield where I would just post of every Shield episode and every Marvel movie, like we're all not 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 like what these things mean for the future movies, but like what does this connect to the comic books? That was always where it was. And then around phase two or so, they stopped doing that. And, and this is something that I noticed. Um, I, I was still working for Marvel at the time, and, and I did do some you know, connections, but all the connections were obvious ones. There were no like background character has a name. Like, here's a, here's a crazy one. In the okay. Incredible movie, th there's a scene where Ed Norton's version of Banner goes to deliver a pizza. And the guy's like, oh, thanks. You're my hero, man. That guy saying it is listed in the credits as Amadeus Cho. And I guarantee you, when Amadeus Cho does show up again in the movies, they're going to pretend that never happened. It's just a guy with a similar name. And the reason is, is at the time, Marvel was like, hey, you want to throw in some references for fans? Reference fans. It's fun. Later on, they're like, we need to keep making movies. Save these characters for when we plan to use them. Amadeus Cho is a kid who at the time was just kind of like a teen sidekick of the Hulk, but now is his own 20-year-old version of the Hulk. You know, he's a, a Korean-American kid who is now a super genius Hulk. And it's like, yeah. They want that in a movie later. Oh, so, of course. So they hold all of these little, you know, Easter eggs. So now they're holding them back. But then Loki comes out. And Loki's like, timelines, so it doesn't matter. And because of that, just crap loads of references. They put so many references in Loki. So I'm watching it. And I'm like, this feels like the old days again. You You're know? geeking out more so than most of us. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I loved WandaVision. You know, I, I really, really loved, uh, got into uh, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, but Loki had all of those Easter eggs again. And it was like, they can do it without repercussions. You want to have the Thanos copter? You got the Thanos copter. Does it make any sense? Doesn't have to. Timelines. You know, you have the uh, the bit with uh, Thor frog. Thor frog's in there for less than a second. Doesn't matter. Yep. The what if. Exactly. The what if. <laughs> so it's like, it's all there. Somebody asked me, what does it mean that the Thanos copter exists in the movies? And I said, here's what it means. The Thanos copter in the comics is not in the comics, all right? A lot of people have been saying stuff like, a lot of YouTube videos I watch go, in the early days, Thanos had a copter. That is not true. Whoever says that is not somebody who did the research. The Thanos copter was in the kiddie version of Marvel, which was called Spidey Super Stories, which are aimed at like five-year-olds. Yeah, and I've seen them. I have a three-year-old nephew that watches them. Exactly. So the Spidey Super Stories version of Thanos had a Thanos copter and robbed banks because it's a kitty, you know. Uh, so what the helicopter means is, is that somewhere in the MCU is a kid-friendly timeline. <laughs> That's nice. Somewhere in the nice. MCU is a timeline where Tony Stark never kills people. You know, he doesn't <laughs> blow people up with it. 
You know, there's a, there's a timeline where, where none of that bad stuff happens. And it's all just like, you insulted me. Well, it's okay because friends shouldn't do that. That's, there's a timeline where that exists in the The MCU. more you know, you know? That's what the Thanos copter means. No, I, I love it because it is those things like you're a geek. You, I, I love saying they're using it, but like I'll read into stuff and me and my son are watching and I go, oh, that's that. You start to, you start to guess. You it know? didn't even stop there though. They also had real world Easter eggs. Like, do you know where Loki jumped out of the plane? You know what that's about, right? No. Oh, yeah. LD, LD, um, TV Cooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cooper, so yeah. A lot of people were familiar with that. Other people, after watching the show, looked it up and found out DB Cooper. Well, there were other things. Like, in the episode that had the Thanos copter, there was uh, Polybius, which is a, a little Easter egg of a uh, urban legend of a haunted arcade machine that was supposed to mind control people because of the CIA back in the early 90s. And that's sitting behind Kid, Yoki while, Kid Loki while he's talking. Oh, uh, okay. And then, of course, when that, when that aircraft carrier shows up and it starts firing at the cloud... That's the the Eldridge, which is the the Philadelphia experiment, which is supposed to be a time traveling, you know, government experiment in the real world, supposedly. So they they were throwing every kind of references in there, and I was just having all kinds of fun with it. So it's fun that they're they're letting themselves let loose. I'm I'm ready, and my kids all over it, which is weird because you would think my kids eleven years old, eleven years old. Yeah, man, think about it. He's he's ready. And I'm love having these conversations with my kid. He's the he's like that age. He's not old enough to appreciate good music yet, <laughs> but he's old enough to talk about comic books, you know, and and in TV shows and random cartoons. And we're pumped for what if, you know, what if launches yeah, this week? What, next week? This week? This week? Sure, this week? This yeah. Oh crap! I think it launches like the next two days. Yeah, yeah. On the 11th, it will launch. So I was a big fan of the what if. Podcast comes out. It's launched already. Yeah, I well, it says out. It would have come out already. I'm a big fan because I have a I have a very like a very uh, nostalgic connection to the What If series. Uh, back in the early '90s, uh, I've told the story before. At least there weren't any comic book shops where I grew up, right? And libraries didn't carry them. My early comics were always from the Maverick Mart. <laughs> there you go. Right, I randomly found a Superman comic at a liquor store. Yep. Randomly, like just randomly. Point is, I had a friend that had comic books, collected comic books, and he took advantage of me and he would sell me these things marked up. <laughs> he already knew how to do the game. Oh, he knew the game, you know? <laughs> and he, one of the first ones that I, I was like, I remember very vividly is a What If series. The What If series, What If Cyclops and Havoc well, grew up together. That was one of like, they never got separated. Yeah. And that was the one that stuck with me. And I was like, wow, like this is a great the comic books ended up becoming a much bigger thing with a what if for me, because I was so used to a very streamlined characters, stories. There was very controlled environment. I remember around that time period, uh, there were some what ifs that I read that I liked. There was like one um, with the Infinity Gauntlet, you know, from Endgame and everything. But it was what if Silver Surfer got the Infinity Gauntlet. Ooh. And he's this character who is often jokingly called space Jesus, but he's like, just, he's just like a super stoic philosophical guy who is the, this is a guy, how I describe him, the most powerful active hero in the Marvel universe. Like he's as strong as the Hulk, although Hulk can always get stronger, obviously. But the thing is the Silver Surfer could also, you know, turn your gun into an ice cream cone if you wanted to. He can travel across the universe with the blink of an eye. He's, he's just ridiculously powerful. And this guy who's stoic, philosophical and powerful suddenly becomes God itself. And it's an interesting idea. Like this is a different take on it than Thanos going crazy or Adam Warlock with his like like analytical brain. Yeah. This is 
more of like, how can things be good? Let's make them be good always. And it's like, mm. that's, you know, and, and, and I like this idea. It's like a neat way of like, here's a really good person and he's not turning evil, but it's just, is there such thing as too good? You know, and it's, it's a good story. It is. My only concern with these what ifs mm -hmm. is that what I've, what people have let out or leaks or just little previews, everything has been, except from the Marvel zombies, because I'm all on board. I love Marvel zombies, but it's what if this person, what if this person was with this team? What if this was that person? Like, it's not a. There's, there's two reasons for that, as far as I know. I mean, I don't know behind the scenes, but this is my, my thought. Um, one reason is, is like the comics you read of what if, those are what if of the comic book world, right? Yeah. But these are not for the fans of comic, but they are for the fans of comics, but they're like primarily aiming at the fans of the movies and the TV shows. So this is what if of the movie universe. So you're mm -hmm. getting the movie version of Guardians of the Galaxy, what if? You're getting the movie version of, of uh, Black Panther, what if? And then the other aspect of it is, just like I was saying with Amadeus Cho, they don't want to have too many things only be introduced here. So you may get some what ifs that would never be a movie, but at the same time, it's hard to say never. You know, we're gonna we Guardians of the Galaxy, a talking tree and a and a talking raccoon who are best friends. If I told people, you know, 10 years ago that that was gonna be one of their favorite movie teams, no one would believe me, you know, and yet there it is. So they're I don't want to say they're gonna hold themselves back too much, but they probably want to save some things for how are we gonna do the movie universe version of this? Mm. Uh, so you may get something like um, I'm trying to think of something that is not in the movies yet. Well, let's say, I want Planet Hulk. I want okay. Planet Hulk. You know, I will. Say you would probably get Planet Hulk in the t in the TV show because you're not going to get a movie out of it. Simple as that. Um, but like, here's one you probably wouldn't get: Nova. Right? Uh, Nova is a character who's basically was introduced as kind of like a Spider-Man, Green Lantern type character, where he's got uh, this giant police force in space that he gets yeah. into. Nova Corps. Yeah, exactly. Nova Corps. And the thing is, is that. In the movie version, all we got was a really underpowered version of the Novas. Again, the early version of Marvel Universe having cameos without realizing what that means. So if they do want to do a fully powered Nova movie someday, which they probably could at this rate, they don't want to have the first powered version of him be in the animated series, I'm going to bet. I'm just saying that. On the flip side, stuff we could probably get in there is some stuff that's already been hinted at in the movies. Uh, like, okay, Agent Carter TV show yeah, had, had a mini clip that revealed that that old West superheroes of Marvel exist in the Marvel universe. And I could see them in a what if, because they could still do them in a movie and it would be entirely different, but it wouldn't matter because it's also one of those things that there's no, there's no precedent for it that needs to be established. There's just, no canon to keep yeah, them. Exactly. Yeah. So they could do the old West superheroes or something like that and have fun with it. Um, one do you thing think, I, do you think, I mean, let me ask you something. You're right. You're hundred percent right. I agree with you. The fact that these, these what ifs are for the movie universe, right? Do you think that, let me give you an example, the what if that was really popular years ago, right around Civil War, when the print came out for Civil War, what if Hulk went to a peaceful planet he was supposed to go to, which kind of led to Planet Hulk instead of that, right? What I want. Do you think that with Endgame, Civil War, there these versions being already displayed for the movie fans, that they can start dipping their toe into the deeper what ifs along those storylines? Oh yeah, we'll definitely at some point get like an even darker version of Endgame because I, I have said before I have my problems with Endgame. Uh, I, I love all the Marvel movies. Endgame is the one movie that, that like irks me in some ways. 
Um, and I even did a little panel about that for, for Mikasa, an online comic con I did recently. Um, uh, but it's still like, it's still good. But I could see them doing that because it's such a popular film. What if we made it even harder? You know, what if it wasn't uh, Black Widow that died? What if it wasn't Gamora that died? What if, hell, what if Gamora threw Thanos down there and she became the one to get the Infinity Gauntlet? Hmm. See that Do you think it's a, but as a writer, as a fan, mm -hmm. you can appreciate those, those, those throw out the window, forget everything you know, right? Well, okay. So in the early days of what ifs, they did what if comics that were just like, um, what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four and this is the adventures they would have had. And yeah. later, the middle time of, of what ifs, like in the, the 80s and 90s, it was like, this couldn't have happened because then horrible stuff would have happened. And then you get to find out how bad it would be. And then by the time you get to the, the ones like you're talking about uh, that are in the 2000s, those what ifs could go either direction. They could be like, this is just a new status quo, or they could be like, you know, whatever they need to be. Um, and I think with these movies, they have that free reign. The, the, the what if cartoons. Um, they're probably not going to do one that you want to see like 50, 100 episodes of because they would want to market that. But who knows? Maybe there'll be a spinoff. Maybe we'll get like a Spider-Girl spinoff like what happened in the comics. Oh, man, that'd be so good. But that, I want, I want since we were talking about, you know, branching paths and Loki and the, now the, it's like everything's okay, right? We're allowed to have these variants and all these things going on. Like I would love to see a real gritty look at let's go, let's give – Iron Fist, a real shot, <laughs> you know. Like let's let's give that a character that you destroyed a real shot, you, you know. know like I, I will defend Iron Fist slightly in that the second season was better than the first. I watched all of it. <laughs> I did I, I too. Won't, I won't say it's good, but it's better than the first season. Um, but the thing is, it ended on a really silly cliffhanger that was like, okay, we know you're a dumb show but I do want to know where you're going with this cliffhanger. <laughs> you know, it's like, I do want a little bit more. I, 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 I like that what they were trying to do with, you know, Luke Cage, Jessica oh, Jones, yeah. which personally, Jessica Jones needs more attention, man. Honestly, here's my situation, man. I am really as a fan worried that Marvel is going to just write off the Netflix guys. Like originally it was stated that Netflix agents of shield, agent Carter were all solidly in the MCU there was questions about like, well, they had said, for example, that the runaways were, but like I watched that. I don't know how that could be possibly MCU, but whatever. But the Another other one, heartbreak, the runaways. No, definitely, the definitely MCU, right? And the problem is I'm worried that they're going to either just pretend they never existed and make their new own versions of, of Daredevil and the Cage and stuff, which, which I'm sure will be great, don't get me wrong. Or they're gonna just say that the Netflix versions were an alternate timeline and their variants, which, I mean, at least they really existed, but I kind of wanted them all brought back together again. If I was a producer at Marvel and I had rights to these characters, here's what I do on Disney Plus. Right. I would do a Heroes for Hire TV series, which features Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. And it would be uh, some episodes will only focus on one, maybe a little storyline where it's just Jessica having her problems, but maybe it'd be all of them together. And then I'd do another series called Marvel Knights, and this would be Daredevil, Elektra, and Punisher. And you'd be go back between the, these characters. Because honestly, as much as I love Punisher, I don't think he should always be a protagonist because he is better as a foil for other characters than as his own guy. Like they, they nerfed him a lot for the TV show. Oh yeah. He's a great because, character, don't get me wrong. But like he is not the no holds barred guy that he is in the comics. 
Oh no, for, for, no, <laughs> by by any means, man. Yeah. The fact that Punisher is feared for a reason because he's so out of control, like, like there in the TV show, he's feared for his skills. No, no, but he's also <laughs> out of control. But but in the, in the comics, he's also out of control, rather. Yeah, but it's also because he's unstable. I mean, and he's also like he, he's out for blood. Yeah, but he's out literally for blood in the comics. In the TV show, he could be talked at down. He could be like, "Look, I know he's a drug dealer, but he's been abused, and he's got a bad family, and he's got to take care of his kid." And he'd be like, "Stop dealing drugs." But in the comic version, he'd be like, "He's still a drug dealer." Bam. Boom. Yep. You know, exactly. and like, um, and I'm not saying it needs to be that Punisher, but what I'm saying is, if you were to keep these guys in little segments where they can interact with each other, have a solo arc or whatever, I think it'd be better for those characters. So you're not having too much time on a character that maybe doesn't need that many episodes. But also, you would be able to maintain this history that's already been established. We don't need to do new origins. We don't need to do uh, new establishing shots of who these characters are. If the audiences want to, they can go back and watch those shows. If they don't want to, it doesn't matter because there is still a built-in history, and you can just build off of that. I don't want them to start fresh with these characters if they could. That's my hope. Because it's they've been out there long enough where you don't need to. Why reinvent the wheel? Just kind of, like you said, build off of this base and move forward like there's no need to retell the whole iron fist story the whole daredevil story okay i think we're all understand the origin yeah. at least I, daredevil. I would never would have done an iron fist story to begin with because as much as i love iron fist and he has had some great solo series he is mainly good as a sidekick not sidekick partner of luke cage that is the main reason to have iron fist is to work with luke cage and he barely worked with luke cage in the shows i think it's just the fact that we're so enamored with these mm -hmm. series, right? Yeah. And Marvel, especially, is a huge chunk of it. But, you know, what are your thoughts on, uh, did you watch, I'm pretty sure you did, but your thoughts since, you know, I have you on and we're chatting and we're all about story and keep them. <clears throat> you have the boys coming out, which I'm excited for, right? Yeah. The boys comic book was insane. I've only watched season one and most of season two. I didn't get to finish it yet. I did finish Invincible. I loved it so much. I, I actually got my friends and I kept telling my friends, look, I know it doesn't look like people want to see, watch it, trust me. And then I made my friends watch one episode and the next day they called me back. I just binged the entire series. How dare you? You know? Exactly. So yeah, so, yeah. Invincible is great. Um, Suicide Squad, of course, just came out. So Suicide Squad, I saw it a couple nights ago. I did too. What are your thoughts, my friend? I quite liked it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I imagine you know a little bit about James Gunn's history. You know yeah. that before he did Marvel movies, he did Trauma. Trauma. Yeah. yeah. Toxic well, Avengers. This is definitely um, what Trauma might do if you were going to do, A, a serious story, because most Trauma movies aren't. They're having fun with it. And B, an actual budget for special effects. <laughs> That's what I was saying. Trauma <laughs> with money. It's, it's got gore, in it, but it's the trauma style of gore, where it's like silly, sliced up heads and then blood exploding in goofy ways and monsters that are gory everywhere and faces being ripped off. It's I just like that Tim Gunn has cachet on both sides of that wall. He can do a DC movie, he can do a Marvel movie. I, as I was watching it the first time, I immediately go, look, there's Lloyd Kaufman. He had his, uh, he had his uh, trauma producer. If you watch the scene where they're in the, uh, if you watch the scene where they're in, in the nightclub, uh, you know, they walk in the nightclub. As they're walking, this old man kind of looks back at the main characters and keeps walking. That's Lloyd Kaufman. That's the producer of Troma, the guy that gave uh, James Gunn his first real shot in movies. He's a director from Thor, uh, Ragnarok in the movie too. He plays he plays the dad of his Ratcatcher. Yeah, Taika Waititi's in there. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Ratcatcher. So uh, I'm into it. I dug it, but my only qualms it felt a little long. Like there was a lull 
for that film. My wife fell asleep. I'm like, how do you fall asleep on, a, on a, an explosions and gore? But I, I do recall that there was a little bit of a lull and yeah. though too long, but the action was fun. The characters were well acted. I had no like idea who Dot Man was, but I fucking dug him. Oh yeah, Polka Dot Man is, is <laughs> originally in the 60s was even more powerful than that, which is pretty crazy. Um, because okay, so this is something I was telling somebody the other day. Everybody's always like, "What are the rules of of magic? How, is what are Doctor Strange's limits? He's probably too powerful." No, you don't understand. There are way more rules for magic characters in comics than there are for science characters. Because mm-hmm. Doctor Strange, he may have to like sell part of his soul or find a, a patron god or find a special thing. But Iron Man could be like, "I have now built a thing that turns the sun into Jello," you know, because it's science. And Polka Dot Man was that kind of character in the '60s. He would have <laughs> dots. He'd take out the dot and throw it. And this dot would become a flying razor blade that flies around. This one would become a flying car. This one would become a giant ball of acid. This one, it's like, how does that make sense? Don't know. He's a scientist. It's okay. Um, but it's not as bad as a, what is it? Balloon man in the Gotham series. Remember that guy? I don't know. Actually, I was thought you were saying kite man for some reason. It was uh, balloon man. He would basically tie people. And, yeah. Tie people to, to weather balloons and send them into space so they can die. So, okay. Yeah, that was the balloon. I love that one. I will say about long. What I think about that is, um, they were trying to tell at least three different movies. One was the first segment where we're introducing you to characters that you know stuff's going to happen to. The second one is the A story, which is what the main heroes are supposed to do. The well, villains, I guess, are supposed to do the entire time. And then the third story is Harley Quinn's movie. And I liked all three of those, so it works for me. But by doing all three and then cutting between them in certain ways, yeah, I could see that being too long. I could get a little that. too long, but because I understand your wife's point of view. I saw some stuff online where they were really trashing and they're like, oh, why why even have Harley in this movie? It's like she was almost well, technically good. a side character. And I'm like, well, that's one of the most popular characters for this series and for DC right now. Whatever they can get their hands on as far as a franchise, they're gonna do it. Yep. But I didn't mind Harley. I think that I she was it. I liked it. I think it was, she didn't take away from anything. Like She didn't take anything from anybody. She didn't steal any scenes. She didn't stop the main cast, I would say, from doing their, their job. Exactly. I, don't, I, I totally agree. Like In the scenes that were all about her, it did slow down that plot. But it didn't change the course of the movie. And then when she would rejoined, it was everybody's thing. It wasn't just her anymore. Um, I will say, like her in the first movie was just a sexualized object, but still Margot Robbie was doing an amazing job with the character. And then her solo movie, I really loved. Um, and it really gave her, well, gave her story more depth. I wouldn't say it gave her a lot of depth because she's still pretty silly, but still it gave her story depth. And this one was kind of like somewhere in between. We're going to have the silly cartoon over the top, although not overly sexualized, you know, one from the original Suicide Squad, which doesn't exist practically. And then the uh, the more, I don't want to say grounded, but at least more, more like centered version of her from the solo movie. You kind of get between those two and you've got the one from this movie, which... I liked, you know, I, I do agree. It slowed down the movie. I think if you took out the Harley Quinn stuff, it'd probably be the size of a, of a normal size, small blockbuster. And plus it was the music choice was great. Tim Guns in the first, you know, his movie and all that. It's always great, but I, I dug it. I really did. But beyond that, you know, I really, 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 really hope because my son is more so like, well, like what does DC have that I'm into? And I'm like, Star we saw, <laughs> Yes, sure. Shazam. He wants to, she's, he's all about Shazam now. 
love Shazam. That's that's the that's probably next to probably this. Shazam is probably my favorite uh, DC movie of the current DC run. Do you? Because my son told me he goes, "Why can't there exist a universe where the Dark Knight Batman that that series that Batman exists with the current run of DC movies?" That's kind of what they're doing. Like, would you say that? Well, I mean, as much as you can, Zack Snyder fully based the Bat- Bats v Superman version of Batman on the Dark Knight version of Batman. Which you're talking about Dark Knight Returns version, is that what you're Dark saying? Dark Knight Returns, yeah. He's totally basing it on that. I, wait, you, wait, let me talk about. Let me let's backtrack. You're talking about Chris Nolan, like okay, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about Dark yeah, Knight. Not I'm not Dark talking Dark Knight the book, but Dark Knight the movie. Okay, that, okay yeah. now I get what you're saying. Uh, honestly, I hope they will. Here's the really ironic part. Okay. DC loves that they have this dark side character and they keep throwing him out there, right? Mm, but you put yeah. dark side into the movies and people are going to be like, this is a Thanos ripoff, which is funny because the other side is true. And now Marvel's current run is all going to be multiverse movies, which is amazing. But DC's biggest stories were multiverse stories. So when DC ever gets around to it, they're going to seem like they're playing catch up to Marvel again. Isn't but, that what Flash is going to be? Yes. But... I care less about Flashpoint than I really want Crisis and Infinite Earths. <laughs> I know they did a miniseries. That's fine. That's fine. But I want an actual Crisis and Infinite Earths movies where Chris Nolan's Batman shows up and Michael Keaton's Batman shows up and we have a CG version of Adam West in the background. He doesn't have any speaking roles as long as we acknowledge that he's there, you know, and like have them all show up every cinematic version of, of the DC heroes that have ever been in one big crossover movie. That would be so much fun if they gave it to somebody like James Gunn. <laughs> don't hey, there it. you go. There don't you go. People that were previously making some of these movies. But like it would be so much fun and it would make a ton of money. But yes, two definitely. Problems. Two problems. One is, like I said, Marvel's gonna have done it first because whatever Marvel's big uh, plan is for the multiverse, they're gonna get it done before DC makes a movie. And two, DC doesn't have a great grounding right now. And the argue oh here's an argument I made to somebody. I said these first several DC movies are so bad that the only reason you do them is to be that bad on purpose because mm-hmm. you're going to do a crossover movie to explain that's the bad universe. <laughs> like, God, you know, but wait, like, I don't know. I get, get <clears throat> kind of torn because there is no cohesion. There's no cohesion with the DC films. Yep. And the fact that we have black Adam, we have the rock, you know, that's superstar of the rock. Also looking forward to that movie. Bandly and I see the justice society showing up. That's going to be really cool. Exactly. And the fact that there's no cohesion, but they have the opportunity to, to bring that character to a mass audience who doesn't know who he is, what he's about. Shazam did so well. So you're thinking, okay, there's let's build him up, let's build him up. But then there's no nothing to tie him down. There's no yep. movie I can show my son from five years ago and say, hey, yeah, this is how they hinted at that. They can't exactly. marvelize the DC universe. I think the big problem is that they, and this has been said by a lot of people, they went in saying a singular vision is going to guide everything without vetting that singular vision, but also um, with also without having, like you need a singular person to guide everything, but not one director's style to be going forward. And that's just not going to work. Marvel does have Kevin Feige, of course, guiding everything, but it's not his style. There's Ant-Man is very different from Doctor Strange, which is very different from Guardians, which is different from Captain America, you know, uh, First Avenger. You know, they're all different feels to them. They keep talking about 
the new Doctor Strange movie being a horror movie, I, I I have my doubts on that. But then Sam Raimi's doing it. He has done horror before, so we'll see how it goes. You know, we'll see what happens. No, well, we'll see where things go, man. It's been fun because it's been fun just 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 chatting with you. It's been fun geeking out and getting excited for what's new, what's coming down the line, not just for you, which I know hopefully when that time comes and you're ready to share, you'll you'll come with the primos here and, and do that. But um, you know. Uh, before we end the night, you know, what's something that maybe most people haven't been watching or reading that you're really into right now that, hey, you know what, this is worth a look, even if it's anime. Uh, what's something that you can recommend to the primos out there to check out? Uh, you know what? I, I'm not going to have a specific thing that I'm going to recommend. Um, it, it's so much as a, a style of thing. Like we're talking about anime and you said, yeah, I should join that, that join the, the thing. Have you ever read Webtoons? Rings a bell? Rings okay. about so webtoon is an app where it's like a Korean-based web comic. Oh, okay. Yes, and I know what you're talking about. Yeah, my, mm -hmm. I teach high school. A lot of my students read these, and I've been reading through a bunch of them too. And and most of the stuff on that product on that on that service are like Korean comics that have been translated to English, which is also just something we don't get a lot because there's been a lot of like Japanese stuff and other things. But also yeah. a lot of it is like indie creators that are making their own comics. So one in particular that got my attention, I found out about through what Web, Webtoons been doing a lot of Heritage Month stuff for like Black History and, and, and Latino Heritage Month, that kind of stuff. Uh, Necahual is the story of these three Aztec girls uh, that become magical girls. They're like, they're literally, it's like, what if Sailor Moon was from Mesoamerica? Oh, and wow. It is, it is beautiful. And it's just, it's barely starting out. Um, they've only got like 20 some episodes so far. And and it's on Webtoon. And the idea is that is that this is a thing where, in the early days of, of web comics, you had a lot of creators that make stuff and just put it on their website, and then creators start banding together and like let's have a web ring and like have them all tied together. This is kind of the new version of that. This is where people can post stuff on an app that people can download, and then hopefully get some fans. And I think this one here is just the art is beautiful. You're talking about the Teowatl having these muted colors. This is a mostly black and white comic, except when they're using their godly powers. When you have to make their magical girl powers, there's color. I see it. And that's it's just, awesome. It's really, really well done. And that's the thing is like, this is a, and the thing is most of the things done for the webtoons are done specifically with webtoons in mind. It's meant to be read on a phone, scrolled through your, your device instead of flipping pages. So it's a different style of storytelling, which as a writer, I appreciate that people are purposefully changing the way they're telling stories. So it's a uh, Nikawa and it's spelled N-E-C-A-H-U-A-L. Definitely check that out, guys. I'll put that in our show notes too. But one thing that you brought to mind, I want to recommend as well, since you brought that to mind about webtoons. There's a manga that I was really into that I loved, never really took off, but sometimes it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means I just didn't get the right attention, right? But there's one call that you should check out, and it's called Action Idols. Age of Young Dragons. I like the name already. Action Idols. It's pop stars, but you're a pop star because you're a martial artist. And they throw you into these like impossible situations where you have to fight other action idols um, out of these like uh, mazes or, or like death traps and fighting each other. And they have like their superpower, you know, hand-to-hand -hand combat, anime-ish style, uh, overpowered, strong, uh, the main character is a brawler that was kind of brought into this because he happened to beat up a really famous idol on a street fight. But it turns out that he is like the embodiment of some evil spirit 
that comes out and basically wants to be famous and he likes the attention and that's why he's basically make, giving this guy superpowers without his without his knowledge and he ends up going through the ranks of the pop idols if you would but it's all about martial arts gorgeous art called action idols age of young dragons that, that actually reminds me of a of an anime that my friend got me into watching zombie land saga and it's like zombie girls who become idol stars and it's like why not this is fun you know and it's actually it's actually a really good show there's an there's anime about girls that turn into ships and fight over over water so Nothing. anything is uh, uh possible in anime but kevin we're here at the end man thanks for just uh, making the time dude i loved it i love i hope i love talking with you chatting and we'll meet up at some convention digitally or physical one day for sure we have to we gotta be safe though man you know for everybody out there listening just be careful be safe wear a mask you know if you can get vaccinated do it just be healthy that's your choice at the end of the day but at the same time just use common sense everybody be careful stay healthy cuídense primos adios do it for the primos for los primos